You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. So um, I just want to share just for um, just a little time about, um, about some of the, the why we do this sort of thing and, and what this is all about. I want to start off with some things that are a little bit controversial. Is that all right? I want to talk about some things that I hate. And I feel like this is a safe place. We're all together as family. And so there's no judgment here. Okay. So um, this is going to be controversial for some of you. The first thing is this olives. Okay, 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 okay. Let's see. Uh, hands up if you're a fellow olive hater. Look at this, the front olive haters, the back either just aren't joining in or just are liars. Okay, excellent. Okay, here is my theory. I feel like olives nobody actually likes. They're just salty grapes, part of the fall of man. And... Um, they're a mistake that happened. And I think people eat them because they feel pretentious and they feel like they should like them. So that is my theory on grapes. It's going to get worse and more controversial. This is the one I'm going to get emails about and spammed on. So I worried about not doing it, but this is safe place. And so please don't spam my Facebook with this. Um, the second thing is cats. I don't like cats. Okay, now come on. Okay, uh, hands up if you also would like to admit in a safe place that you're also not a fan of cats. Oh. Okay, okay. There we go. These are my people. Put your hands down. Put your hands up if you're like a cat lover and you're like, oh, I love a picture of a cat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a few of you. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fine. It's okay. We welcome all types here. Cat lovers and normal people. Um, And the last thing is this, and this is also controversial. I hate camping. Um, Camping. Okay, let's hands up if you also hate camping. (laughs) <laughs> look at this can I just say Cumbrian locations I was booed off the stage at this point because they all love camping because they live near the hills um, um, who likes camping okay so there's a few people but not so many okay um, great here's the thing um, I have tried to find justification for my feelings in the bible and I can't find them for any of these things uh, apparently God made all the animals even the cats and um God apparently is a fan of camping because camping's in the Bible quite a lot, but I, it's, I feel like it's maybe Old Testament and was dealt with with Jesus. Um, and why would you live in a tent or go in a tent when you can stay inside where it's warm? The problem with camping that I have is that there's no good weather for it in England. It's either raining, which is just awful, it's cold, which is just worse, or it's hot, which is just awful. And what happens is people send me pictures of, would you camp here? No, if it's not got walls, I don't want to be there. And if there's no toilet, I don't want to live there. Um, so this is my thing about camping, but camping is in the Bible. And, and I want to read some of uh, uh, Joshua where they talk about camping. And what's happened is that for some of you know your Bibles and you know that for a long time, for about 40 years, God has rescued people out of captivity for generation after generation. The, the God's people, the Israelites, had been under horrendous oppression, awful conditions by the Egyptians. And then God sent Moses, who by our standards would not be someone who'd qualify for this. God sent Moses and rescued them through the sea and did all these incredible miracles. And for 40 years, they've wandered in a state of wilderness. 
They're not quite where God has said the promised land is going to be. It's not where the destination is, but they're not in slavery anymore. They're not captives. They're kind of free, but not completely free. And maybe something of you today identifies with that. Yeah, you're not where you were. You're not without God, but you know deep in your heart that you're not free. You're not living the life that God has called you to. You're not free of the stuff of the past. There's a sense of I'm still in this kind of in-between bit. Not, Not a Christian, but not really living fully for Jesus. There's this kind of in-between state. And for a long time, that's where they've lived. For a long time, they've been in this in-between state. And then Moses dies. Joshua rises up as the next leader. And then they start on this adventure towards the promised land. There is a place coming that God says has freedom, has provision, has expanse, has all these incredible things. And they're walking towards it. Who knows when you're walking towards something that God has destined for you, there is sometimes battles on the way. Maybe you feel like God's called you to something. Maybe you know that God's doing something. Maybe you know that God's speaking to you about something. But there is something that happens time and time again on the way to that thing where you just see it almost out of nowhere. Let's look at Joshua 3, from verse 1 to 2. It says this, Early in the morning, Joshua and the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. They camped. As if it's not bad enough, they've got a camp. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, the Levitical priest carrying it, you have to move from your positions. So for a long time, they had waited and waited and wandered. And then suddenly, they pitched up their tents and they sat looking at the river. And they're all camped and they're looking and they're looking. And the river's big. This is not a little itty-bitty river. This is not a stream. This is a big river that's fast-flowing. In fact, the Bible says this river was in flood. It was, it was ginormous. It was, it was rushing. It was loud. It was noisy. It was overwhelming. The problem was right in front of them. They're all camped along the side of the river looking at their issue. And the problem is this. None of them can swim. There's not much swimming lessons happening in the desert. I mean, I wasn't there, but I'd imagine that they probably didn't learn to swim when they're in the sand. And they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're looking and they're looking. So what do you do when something happens and you've never dealt with it before? How do you know what to deal with it when the problem's right in front of you and they've never crossed this before? Their ancestors had had the whole Red Sea part, but they hadn't had it before. They'd never seen it. They'd never crossed something like this before. In the wilderness, what had happened is they'd they'd had it kind of a little bit easy. See, their food fell from the sky every day. Their water came from rocks. They were covered by cloud by the day, so they didn't get burned. Fire by the night. They had these magical shoes that didn't wear out. Can I give an amen to the parents that would like that prophecy thing on their life? Um, They had all this. They had no battles to fight, but they were ineffective. And sometimes what we want is a quiet life. We just want to kind of, oh, do you remember back in the days before I even got into this church stuff and it was just easy. My Sunday mornings were watching TV and just, you know, easy. And now I have to be up early at a welcome team where I have to learn these blooming new songs that they keep putting out all the time. And there's part of us that kind of sometimes wishes for the old days of when it was easy. But actually when they're walking in the wilderness, there's no fruit in this. There's no productivity in this. There's no victories in this. There's just wandering. I don't know about you, but I don't want to wander for my life. I don't want to get to the end of my life when I'm 110 and think, well, that's it then. I want to get to the end of my life. I want to get to heaven and see what I've done because I've trusted God. And sometimes that involves taking a step and taking a risk. And so what do you do when things are happening and you don't know what to do before? What do you do when you hit a financial crisis or a health crisis or an insecurity from nowhere? What do you do when you're offended? And, you, and, and all these things come up from nowhere. What do you do? 
Well, what they did is this, verse 3. It says, um, giving orders to people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, move out from your positions. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. What do you do when you don't know where to go, when you don't know what's happening? You look at what Jesus is doing. Because he is doing something. The Ark of the Covenant was the Old Testament version of God. It's the closest that they had. They, they don't live in New Testament time where we have full access to Jesus and his throne room and inheritance from him. They have a box that God is inside that actually if they get too close to, it's quite dangerous. They could drop dead on the spot. And Pastor Ed last week preached about a great deep message about what that was like. And so they have this. So what do you do when you can't know, don't know where to go? You look, what is Jesus doing? Because he is always doing something. He's always doing something. And when you don't know what's happening, look up. I reckon that they were camped by the, in their awful tents, looking at the river, looking and looking and looking and thinking, it's getting a lot louder. Have you seen how big this river is? Like, have you, have you heard it? Like, can you swim? No, I can't swim. Can you swim? No, I don't, I don't even know what the swimming is. I've never heard that word before. I've never swam before. Like, can we, can we build something about it? Can we, can we get the engineers in? Is there any engineers? Anyone got an engineering degree that would like to come out? Anyone work at Glaxo? Those sorts of people, you need those sorts of people in this... But interesting that, that Joshua doesn't start kind of taking a survey of I need the builders, I need the engineers, I need the people. He starts looking for the Ark of the Covenant carried by the priests. Because some battles you can't fight by logic. Sometimes when you're trying to forgive, like was a beautiful theme that kind of run through those testimonies of, of horrendous things that happened, but actually the power of forgiveness, that's not a manufactured thing. We are really pro-counseling, but actually there's a point that comes when it just needs to be Holy Spirit does something there's some things that man-made stuff can't, can't deal with. It has to be a Jesus moment and it needs to be a spiritual thing that overtakes. And so Joshua's not like, okay, we're going to build a bridge. Here's the engineers. Here's the plan. Here's the blueprint. He's like, okay, we're going to get the priests and they're going to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And when you know, when you, when you don't know what to do, look up because they know the way to go. You've never been this way before and that's okay. And so maybe you're in a position right now where you've never been like this before. This is a whole new season it feels like. I want to encourage you that sometimes it's okay knowing that you don't know what's happening if you know the one who does. You see, what happens is faith sees opportunity where fear sees an obstacle. I reckon they're all camped around and they're looking at this massive river that's flowing fast, flowing at a ridiculously fast speed that's, that's actually in flood. And they're seeing it as an obstacle. They're seeing it as an obstacle. They're seeing it as an obstacle. But then I think when they start to look up at the ark, and the priests and Joshua, they start to say, aha, uh -huh. hang on, there may be an opportunity right here. And maybe right now you feel like you're up against obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, but God's saying, hey, there's an opportunity for me to move. Look up. Look beyond what you can see right now and see that I'm doing something. See, Peter learned the, the, the uh, truth of this, not our Peter, because he didn't have the faith of Peter in the Bible, but when Peter the Bible walked on water, maybe if Jesus himself had been stood here, um, um, maybe later, maybe an Elevate game later, um, that um, when Peter in the Bible, when he walks on the water in the midst of a storm, he, when he looks at Jesus, you know the story, he looks at Jesus and, and he's walking. Like it's, it's completely physically impossible. I mean, Laura is a science teacher. She can tell you later, you can't walk on water. It's not a thing that happens, but Jesus is the one who can do all things. And so Peter, as he's walking on water, looks at Jesus and he's like, this is awesome. I'm walking on water. As he's looking at Jesus, then he looks beyond Jesus and sees the clouds and the storm and the waves and suddenly starts to sink. 
how often is it the case that we're in church and we hear teaching or we're in worship and led beautifully by the team today and, and you feel like, yeah, I can face work tomorrow. Yeah, I can deal with that issue I've got to deal with. Yeah, I can, I can do something. Then you go home and it's like, because you've taken your eyes off Jesus and started to look again about Monday morning's coming. We've forgotten that actually the same Jesus that's here with you right now in church, he's going to be with you tomorrow morning. He's going to be with you when you go to that doctor's appointment. He's going to be with you when you have that meeting that you're dreading. He's going to be with you in that decision you've got to make. Fear sees obstacles, but faith sees an opportunity. And then we kind of go on, and verse 5, it says this, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass on ahead of the people. So he took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel, so they'll know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Aren't you glad today that, that he is with you? Like we heard those stories of the, that Jesus was with them. And it doesn't mean that life's always easy. I mean, you can't hear those four stories and think, oh, that's great. You become a Christian, then nothing bad ever happens to you. Because we live in a really sucky world that does awful things sometimes with people who make horrendous mistakes and do things that they shouldn't. But knowing that God is with us makes it a little bit more bearable. Knowing that he's with you in the storm means that you never have to be alone again. It means that you have power to overcome things that don't feel possible. Forgiveness doesn't feel like a possibility for some of you right now. But I want to encourage you, not through my words, but through their words, of it, it is. There's some freedom that comes when you do that. But the Bible says here that he says, consecrate yourselves. It means set yourself apart. Some of us play at Christianity, if we're honest. Well, yeah, Sunday we're there, but Monday comes around and we just dip our toe in the world a little bit and just have a little go of what does the world have to offer. We just indulge our sin a little bit. Because the truth is this, sin's quite attractive. If it wasn't, we wouldn't do it. Everyone likes a bit of sin every now and then, because otherwise we'd all be perfect and we're not. And we dip our toe in the, the world, but, but this word's saying, okay, set yourself apart. None of this dabbling anymore. Let stuff go. If you're holding a fence right now, let it go. If you're holding on to unforgiveness, you let it go. You decide, I'm consecrating myself because this is serious. This is what God's called me to is serious. And I can't play at this anymore. I can't kind of have my foot in one world and my foot in the spiritual world. There's got to be a separation that happens. And then verse 8 to 14, it says this. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go in and stand in the river. Joshua said to Israelites, come here, listen to the words of the Lord. This is how you'll know the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out for you before the Canaanites, Hittites, Ifites, Perizzites, all the other ones, the sites. See the ark of the government of the Lord your earth, of the earth and the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. He's saying, okay, go and get yourself wet in the water. Here's what we want faith to look like. What we want faith to look like is we pray a nice prayer and then God does the action. And then we get up from our prayer position and we go and do what you know, we were praying about. The truth is this, that never happens in my experience. Faith is a doing word. Sometimes you've got to get your foot in the water before something happens. Remember one of my first times I took a big step of faith. Um, this doesn't make Ben look good in this conversation, but um, there's been plenty of times he's dissed my cooking recently and things. So, And he grew into his faith after 16. But um, here's what happened. We were at college together, um, and we went to performing arts at college. So did some other people on staff and other people in church. Uh, that's right. They all had to do dancing and stuff. Uh, we did performing arts, and um, that meant there was a certain type of people on our course. They were not quiet, so they were the loud ones, and they were quite flamboyant. And when we would arrive in the... Um, um, the 
college cafeteria, uh, people would know that we'd arrived because we'd arrived with some sort of flamboyance. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a strange two years. Um, all that sort of stuff was going on. And there was one guy called Adam who was kind of part of the dancing group. And we, everyone knew that we were the Christians on the course. We were the token Christians who wouldn't go drinking, who wouldn't share a room and all these different things. And uh, we were also much younger than most people on the course as well. So we were kind of babied a little bit, but also slightly mocked for being the Christians. And what does God say about this? And that was like a frequent thing that would happen. So Adam kind of hobbles into the college refectory, the cafeteria one day with a big pot thing on his leg. And he's like, if God's real, um, you should pray for me to get healed and I should be able to walk. And I'm like, okay, I've been praying for a long time that God, you would give me an opportunity to do something. This is my moment. I am the next Billy Graham. <laughs> Here we go. And so I'm like kind of exercising my arms, getting ready for the move of God to happen. In my head, I'm visualizing this is it. This is going to be like everyone on every table is going to be slain in the spirit. I'm going to be like, this is my moment. It's going to happen. And so I like stand up from the table. Ben, nowhere to be seen at this point. Um, it's true, isn't it? You were like, yeah, you go ahead. I believe in women in ministry. Off you go. Uh, <laughs> don't want to hold you back and speak for you. So um, I He's empowering women, yeah. So, or, or he's a chicken. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray for this foot. And so I like lay my hands on this guy's foot and I start praying. And I'm like, come on, God, this is the time that like a pot should come off. This is going to be a story that one day I'm going to preach and I'm going to be able to tell this story. It's going to be so great. And it's going to be, I might get on God TV for this. I'm like, come on. Uh, and I'm like using the good words. And then I think it's not working. I'm going to start speaking in tongues. Now, can I just say, when you speak in tongues anyway, it's weird. But when you're in a, a kind of a cafeteria for a, a college, it's, it just doesn't go down well. So I'm speaking and I'm like, this is really God. You've got to do something. And absolutely nothing happens. And I'm like, no, it's not where you thought the story was going to go. I'm like, no. And so I stand up and like, anything, have you got any tingles? And you start kind of reaching like, can you feel your foot still? Maybe that's a healing. Sometimes healings take time and nothing happens. And so I'm like, oh, a bit deflated and go and sit down. And, but you know what? That guy said, oh, I mean, that was strange. But he was like, okay, as soon as you kind of took a risk, Maybe I'll go to one of the things that you talked about. And so I went to something called Why Friday, which I'm sure Mary and Dave remember, which was like a, an event in Newcastle. And so he came with me to that event and, uh, and at some point responded. And I don't know where he is now, but I just know that, okay, it wasn't how I expected it to go. He wasn't leaping off the tables. There was no kind of slain in the spirit moment. There was no dove from heaven. This is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. <clears throat> there was none of that. But there was something. There was him saying, okay, I'm going to do something. And I wonder for some of us if our faith has got a bit boring. When we were in Germany this year, we took a load of youth to Germany and, and they had this great day where they were preaching on streets with translators and dancing in the streets. And doing all this. And I was watching and I was like, this is so awesome. They're going to have these stories for the rest of their lives to talk about these things and that they got to see God move. And, and one of the guys that we let, kind of spoke to in the street last week or a couple of weeks ago got baptized uh, and, and like it's, that came through the streets. And so there's incredible stories. Your kids know that. They just haven't told you. Um, so incredible things happening. And I was like, this is so awesome that they've all got all these stories. And I felt so clearly when I was in the middle of Germany, God speak to me and say, yeah, what about your stories? And I'm like, well, let me tell you. I plant churches and I preach. And I just felt so clearly God say, yeah, that's not what I'm asking. When was the last time you were scared? And I wonder for some of us as adults if we've got a little bit settled in our faith. It's become a little bit clinical, a little bit easy, a little bit like there's no risk involved anymore. A little bit like we turn up for church, we give God a little bit of the offering, and we call that faith. And actually, 
I don't know if it is faith. The Bible talks about without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I, I felt this whole challenge of, okay, what does this mean? And so we, we, we talked about what we were going to give in the, in the vision offering. And we, we changed that and, and increased it to a level that was quite scary. And we didn't have any idea how it was going to happen. We, I decided to spend a whole day speaking to people on the streets in Workington about Jesus, which was my absolute nightmare um, thing to do. And just decided that for a year, I'm going to do things that scare me. I'm going to invite people to church. And that's not easy because I don't know many non-Christians. Do you know how unattractive? Attractive it is in a playground for someone to know that you're a pastor and how to see they kind of run away. Um, I don't want to, um, I don't to go in playgrounds so often either because my kid's 16 and 19, so it's also that's the other part of it that's also strange. Uh, <laughs> but I felt like for a while that God is speaking about come on, you gotta not let your faith be boring. Uh, and for these people, they'd wander for a long time and their faith was, yeah, God's going to provide. He's going to give us the food. He's going to give us the water. He's going to give us the stuff. But actually, have we settled? Have we stopped asking God for stuff that's miraculous? Have we stopped telling people about Jesus? Have we become settled? Have we stopped believing for healing? Some of us have just got so used to being ill, so used to being insecure, so used to that thing that we're carrying that we've forgotten to ask anymore because we've just settled in our faith. But these people had to walk out and put their feet in the water. When was the last time you were really nervous about something Jesus asked you to do? Like really scared that you stepped out, that you did something that was beyond what you felt you could do with your own power? Because for these four, they've just done it. But I don't think any of them were like, oh, I can't wait to tell my story. I think they were all pretty nervous, and yet they did it. And I don't know about you, but I feel encouraged by, by hearing their story. There's, there's power that comes from sharing your story. When was the last time you told someone your story? last time you said, hey, look, I, I see what you're going through. Can I just share some of my story, how we're, we're managing this? And, and let your story, let Jesus' light shine through you. And then we kind of read on in verse 16. From verse 15 to end, it says this. Um, now the Jordan's at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests had carried the ark, reached the Jordan, and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from its stream stopped flowing piled up in a great distance away from the town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon, and the water flowing down from the Sea of Arab was completely cut off. Band, if you want to join me. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stepped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all of Israel passed until the whole nation completely crossed into dry land. You know... Sometimes we're walking through things and we're praying prayers and we absolutely mean those prayers and they're good prayers to pray. But we're asking God to do something and what we don't realize is upstream he's doing something. I loved each and every one of the stories. One of the stories that stood out was Luke Fennick because he's back. He's still getting changed. Um, and the reason that Luke's Fennec story stood out so much was because I've been praying with his mum and dad for him since me and Ed took him to Tesco's Cafe a long time ago. Do you remember, Luke, when he took you to, you and me and Ed took you to Tesco's Cafe and said, come on, Luke, you've got to sort your life out. And you were like 10. I think we dragged you out of bed, I think, at the time and said, come on, you've got to come with us. And, and I've prayed with his parents for a long time, and, and, and maybe they didn't even know what God was doing. That upstream in Malaysia, Luke's having an encounter with a doctor that reminds him about something from before and, and deep down all the, the hero factory things that he was taught when he was little, that some of your hero factory leaders think, is anything even going in, comes out when he's in his 20s in Malaysia searching and asking something. Sometimes God is doing something upstream that you have no idea about. All the priests know is, okay, I'm going to obey this. This makes no sense. We're going to get our feet wet. We're going to put our feet in the water. 
Uh, and then are we going to drown? What's the plan here? Because this is a deep water. It's in flood. This is not a little itty-bitty water. This is, this, is, this is serious. And upstream, God's doing something. And uh, in our Vanacast location, we have a padre who used to be a science teacher. And he had some fun with maths, because that's the sort of person he is, um, and said, <laughs> me and him, and I think David were talking about how long would it have taken for it actually to dry up? Because it doesn't, it's not instant. It stops one way and then. And so we reckon about 10 to 15 minutes minimum until it actually stopped the water flowing. It's a long time of them standing in the water thinking, any minute now, God, it'd be great if something happened, like a bridge being made or the water part, something. But they're standing and they're getting their feet wet. And it's, I reckon it's lapping at their feet and rushing. And the people are like waiting. They don't know the Bible. They haven't read it because they're in it. They don't know the end bit. We read it with hindsight and know it's going to work out okay. But they didn't know. All they knew is it's very loud, very wet, very difficult. But upstream, God's doing something. And I wonder right now for your prayers that you're praying for your kids, your prayers that you're praying for your finances, for your health, for your business, for your insecurities, for the stuff that you bring into Jesus that no one else even knows. I wonder if upstream, God's doing something. That's what faith is, to trust. I don't, even though I don't feel it, I know that you're working. Somewhere you're doing something. You hold all things together for the good. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. The Bible says this in Exodus 14, 14. I will fight for you. You need only be still. Deuteronomy 31. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. I wonder if there's in this room there's people who, you know, you know that used to be your truth, that, that God was for you, but you've wandered. You know you've wandered. You know you're not right with God. And, and today I want to encourage you that one of the first steps in faith is coming back to him and saying, actually, I got it wrong. God, you were there all the time. And, and I just chatted to Luke last week on his first week back in church. And he just said, God never went anywhere. I didn't even realize. And God is with you right now. In the really happy times and the really dark times, he's with you. He never goes anywhere. And I want to encourage some of you who you know that your faith has got cold. I don't think people walk away from church and faith from an exciting faith. I think they walk around when it becomes part of a routine. If that's what's happened to your faith, that's on you, not on God. So what are you going to do this week? I'd encourage you, why don't you speak to Richard or, or someone and say, hey, can I help with something? Put me in the scariest place. Come and find me. I'll find you a job. Something that's massively uncomfortable, coming to prison with me and Liam or just things scary like that. that do, but do something that makes you feel like that's what the Cambodia trip was for a lot of them. I was at the airport when they dropped off and they were not the happy faces to see on the photos, some of them. Some of them were quite nervous about what was about to happen. But what they also found as they stepped out is that God is there and is incredible and that actually there's more in them than they realized. A lot more. And when you step out, it's like a muscle. A faith is like a muscle. When you stretch it, then you realize actually there's more capacity than I thought. But the reason some of us are struggling is because we're not stretching our faith muscle. We've become a bit stagnant. So what are you going to do about it? And for some of you, you don't even know who Jesus is. You've not found him to be your savior. You've known about him, but you don't know him personally. I want to give you an opportunity to know him personally. So all across this place, would you close your eyes wherever you are? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.